Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Thank you that he, the man, Christ Jesus, is the way and the truth and the life. May we enter more and more into who he is in us and who we are in him. For his sake. Amen. Uh, what I was just praying is is something that I think we need to meditate on. What it means for Christ to be in us and for us to be in him. It's It's not just that he's with us and he will never leave us. That wasn't enough. He, he was with Israel. And that didn't turn out so well. So he knew we needed more. So he would, he would actually come and live as one of us. And, and then after paying all of our debts... He would go back to heaven so that he could send his spirit to be within each one of his people. So we, we wouldn't have to worry about our, our just knowledge and our understanding of what his ways are, of how we are to live he, he would actually be inside us and guiding us. And it, it would be a continual relationship that would lead us in, into this new way of living. So, bear with me. I, I've got at least two messages here this morning. <laughs> And I'm trying to navigate exactly which direction the Lord wants to go with this. Uh, but, but this is uh, sort of a continuation of where we were last week. And that was looking at what salvation is, is really all about. That it's, it's way more than just looking forward to an eternal life that is far in the future. That it, it starts now, and this salvation that Jesus purchased for us, provided for us, is, is for the whole person. It's, it's for our spirit that's completely regenerated at our new birth. It's for our soul that can be healed and our mind renewed so that we actually begin to think 
the way God thinks. And it's, it's for our body that can be made whole and healed. That physical problems that, that we have can, can be healed by God miraculously. And in our emotions that would desire to rule over us can come under the control of our spirit and be something, be, be the tool of our soul that it, they were intended to be by, by giving greater enjoyment to the life that God has for us rather than being something that steers us around like a ping pong ball. So, I, I think where, where we need to go today is we're, we're trying to firm up our foundations. And, and that means filling in some holes in our understanding so that our journey goes a little more quickly than it might otherwise. And we also want to have our foundations firmed up, our understanding of basic truths. We, we want those firmed up so that God can build something bigger in our lives upon that foundation. Because if, if the foundation that we have in, in our lives has gaps and holes and cracks, there, there's not a lot that God can build on that for, for the sake of his kingdom and, and for the sake of other people. Because that, that is what he wants to do. He, he saves us not just for ourselves, but he saves us for, for purpose, for, for purpose now. So, so that... We can be his, and, and so that he can move us into a lifestyle that is others-focused rather than self-focused. Because if, if we're continually at a place in, in our own lives where, where there's, there's chaos and trouble and, and difficulty, there's, there's much less that we can do for others because others have to be doing for us a lot. So there's, there's this one passage that I, I think I'm going to start with today. 1 John chapter 2, where John, the beloved disciple, writes a few words that, that give us some insight into how the church is supposed to work for us and sort of how our life is supposed to go in this new life that we have in Christ. So 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 12, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. 
I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you have known the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. So, when God saves us, we become part of this thing called the church. That is, we, we like to say around here, that is a family. It's a school. It's a hospital. And it's an army. And at any given point in your life, you're, you're going to need it to be at least one and, and maybe a couple of, of those things for you. But as John is writing this to some of the churches, he, he identifies that, that there are three important stages of life in, in the church. There, there are children in the church. And, and I don't just mean the ones that went to the other room a few minutes ago. <laughs> there are young people. He used the term young men, but that applies to young men and young women who have grown to a certain stage of maturity in the church. And then he also talks about fathers. And again, that, that's a term that relates to, to both sexes, so it really refers to fathers and mothers. And so this, this thing called the church, uh, we, we need a deeper understanding of what God intends for it to be so that we can move more toward what he intends it to be and, and kind of away from some aspects of our own experience of, of this thing called the church. So when, when we're born again, we, we become part of, of this worldwide church that is comprised of, of all the people who have been born again through Jesus. But this worldwide entity called the church, has local expressions that we often call the church, like this, like the Cheyenne Vineyard. We're, we're a local fellowship of people who are part of this worldwide church. And we, we have to have in our understanding that the church is you, and me. The church is people. It's not a building with a physical address. And I, I have tried really hard uh, in the time that we have been meeting in this place not to call this place the church in any of your presence. Have you ever heard me say that? Wow. 
I'm really happy. <laughs> I, I call this place the building or the vineyard. 1506 Thomes. Because we are the church, this isn't the church. This, this is where the church gathers. And one of the mindsets that I had to break out of a long time ago was the difference between going to church and being the church. If, if I only had the mindset that church was some place that I was supposed to go for an hour on Sunday morning and then I could feel like I had done my duty to the Lord, uh, I had a completely wrong understanding of what the church was and, and my role function as part of the church. So I had to get that understanding of, okay, I'm called to be the church, not just to go to church. So that's, that's one understanding that, that we have to have. And when, when the Lord calls us into this new family that, that is the church, uh, he, he has lots of reasons for that. And one of the reasons that he calls us into the church is that we have to learn how to love people. And, uh, you know, we learn that in our nuclear family. Also in our extended family, we learn to love. But, you know, those, those people kind of have to be there. Uh, <laughs> and... In the church, it's, it's voluntary. It's, it's more voluntary. And so God set this thing up so that children in the faith and young people and fathers and mothers would, would all be here together and all of our stuff would rub against each other and it would sometimes be unpleasant. Has it ever been unpleasant? Yeah. Because he, he's forming us all into something that we are not now yet, but we're becoming something. And so as, as our rough spots rub on each other, in the church and they begin to get smoothed off a little bit at a time uh, we, we learn how to forgive we learn how to accept people who are different we, we learn to appreciate people who are different we, we learn to work alongside people who are different and, and we, we actually learn in this process how, how to love. Because, you know, whether, whether we understand this or not, as, as the people of God, we, we really are in covenant with each other. 
We, we are the new covenant people of God. And you are not your own anymore. I, I am not my own anymore. Uh, we've been bought with a price and we are somebody else's. And, and that somebody else, Jesus, is the head of the church. And he, he truly is the head over, over this whole thing. And, you know, one of the difficult, I guess, aspects of, of this whole thing is how it is all so continually voluntary. Even the church a local congregation like this, can become a person's if, if they want to take it over. And it isn't Jesus's anymore because some human or some group of human beings has decided this is mine and this is what I want it to become and we're going to move in that direction. And we're going to become that. And unfortunately, here in, in the West, in, in America, where people put a lot of value in logical, rational thinking and our own wisdom and our own understanding, we, we see a fair amount of that. And so we, we have to continually give the church back to Jesus. And, and that's why if, if you've read Revelation chapter 3 and the chapters 2 and 3 and the seven letters to the churches in Revelation, the last one, the, the church in Laodicea, where you have the lukewarm people who are neither hot nor cold and they're poor, blind, miserable, naked, and they think they're wealthy and have it all together. It's, it's that church that Jesus is standing outside of, knocking on the door, asking if they'll let him back in. So that's, that's another really important aspect of our understanding, is that the church is God's. Jesus is the head of the church, not a human being. And, you know, as, as I was studying this week and, and looking into some of this. Uh, a couple months ago, I, I, was, I was kind of at this, this place with, with the church where we, we had, had done a lot of what the Lord had put in my heart for us to do, and, and we'd, uh, we'd been moving, I, I felt, in the right direction for, uh, you know, the six years that, that we've, we've been going as a church. And, and I kind of got to this place where I, I wasn't sure what to do next. And it wasn't a nice place for me to be. As, as a leader, you always want to have the answer and you want to know where you're going so that the people can go there with you. Uh, 
And when you're not sure where you're going, <laughs> it, it, it brings some questions to your own mind. But I'll, I'll tell you what, as I studied this week, that was, that was like a great gift from the Lord to get to that place. And, and I had to repent and I had to come to a place where I really was thankful that I had come to that place, that the Lord had brought me to that place. Because that really is the place where he wants us to be. As leaders, as members of the church, he, he wants us in a place of dependence. And he wants us in a place of gratitude for where he's brought us. But he, he really does want us in that place of dependence. Okay, Lord, if we're going to go anywhere from here, you, you've got to show us the where and the how. And, and you've got to get there. And then this, this one verse really hit me this week and it encouraged me and, and challenged me at the same time of of how this this work of the church becoming what God wants it to be it it truly is God's work it's it's not my work because Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians, and I, I think it's chapter 3, and he's, he's talking about how he laid a foundation as a wise master builder, and how you actually don't have this verse. Sorry, Barry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a different one. Uh, that, that's, that's sort of the beginning of, of the passage. But uh, where, where I was going is Paul eventually gets down to the place where he says, and, and, and he's already described himself as an apostle, and he's, he's kind of uh, used terminology toward Apollos that you would think he, he may very well be an apostle as well. And he says this, that neither I nor Apollos am anything. Uh, but this work of the church is God's and it is done by God. And I'll tell you, that, that takes a lot of pressure off. Because if, if Paul, I mean, the, the apostle of apostles to all of us who, who are Gentiles, if, if he can say that, well, you know, who, who am I to think that I was doing anything this, this whole time? I, if Paul says he, he's nothing, then I've got to be below that somewhere. <laughs> um, but the beautiful thing is that the work is the Lord's. And he's doing the work. And... 
And I believe that as long as we, in, in leadership here, as, as long as we operate in such a way that the church is the Lord's and it's not ours to, to make it in, into something that, that we want, that then the work will continue to be the Lord's and he will continue to do the work. Because it goes back to that whole voluntary thing. Because uh, I, I don't think the church is a whole lot different than your life and my life. And if, if you and I continue to look to the Lord Jesus as the one who is our king and the one who is doing the work, he will continue to do the work. But if, if we get some idea that we want our life to become something else, he, he will let us, you know? This, this free will thing is, it's highly valued by him. And, and he, he will let us go our own way. And, and it's, it's his own wisdom and, and his own grace that he, he wants us to find out that he knows better. So, so he lets us go our own way and lets us pursue our own ends and our own thing. And then finally, when we get there, we, we find out that it, it, was, it was smoke and mirrors, that it... It wasn't what we needed. It wasn't what we wanted. And, and then we repent and we come back to Jesus as Lord. And, and he says, okay, now we can get started again. And, and I believe he, he even allows that with the church, which, which kind of blows me away. So, you know, I, I think I want to stay in the place where I don't know what's next and I don't know what to do because he does. And if, if I will continue to seek his answers in, in relationship and, and live as though he is God, then, then he will be God and he will do what God does. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think part of us being in the church is that, that we can help each other uh, go through this process without having to go all the way to the end all the time. Because we can say, Bob, I've been there. Uh, you, you really, you don't have to go down that road anymore because I can tell you 
what's further down the road. And it's, it's better if you take this detour. <laughs> and so we, we need each other. Uh, God, or, or uh, John Wimber used, used to use this terminology that God will do to you what he wants to do through you. Now let that sink in a little bit. God will do to you what he wants to do through you. And, and remember, this whole discussion is in the context of moving from children in the faith, just starting out, new, without a lot of maturity, without a lot of understanding, to young people who have overcome, who, who have the word in their hearts, to mothers and fathers who are, are able to reproduce and bring forth more children. So, so the goal is for all of us in the church to move from children to young people who, who have overcome to mothers and fathers who can be spiritual mentors and bring new people into the faith and, and raise them up. That's, that's sort of the progression that, that God has, has all of us moving through. And now I kind of forgot where I started that detour. <laughs> So, uh, let me think for a minute. So, <clears throat> yes, in in the church, we're all we're all on this progression, and we we need each other because of what God is doing to us. And he wants to do through us. So, now I remember. Okay. So when we get to the place of being young people, young men, young women, in, in the faith, in the church, that is essentially the stage where God is doing things to you. Where you are learning the ways of God, you're, you're learning to overcome the things, the very things that used to be the greatest pitfalls to you. You're, you're learning to overcome those sinful ways of thinking, those sinful ways of living that used to control you. You're, you're learning to overcome your emotions that used to control you. So that as you become 
older young, and, young men and women, uh, and you're moving on that progression toward becoming mothers and fathers, now you're in the place where you can help others overcome those very same pitfalls, those very same difficulties that you have overcome. And see, that's really what John Wimber was talking about when, when he said that. When, when God is doing something to you, it means he is imparting something into your life. Some, some aspect of truth, some aspect of his ways of thinking, his ways of living, he's, he's imparting that to you. And it seems like there's usually some pain involved. Be, because for, for him to get something in there, he's got to take something out of there. Because it won't all fit at the same time. So as, as he is doing a good work in you, which, which is what he's doing, he, he only does good work if it's him doing the work. He's, he's removing something, and he's, he's something that, that needs to be removed, because that, that's the only way he works. And, and he's replacing it with, with something better. With, with a way of thinking that's more in line with truth, uh, with understanding of him that is, that is right, rather than clouded by our own limited understanding of our own experience. And, and he's, he's showing us more of, of the goodness of what he has, if, if we'll just take it. And as young people in, in this process, we're, we're in the process of coming into agreement with, with God about who we are, about who he is, about how we live in, in this world. And when, when we get to the place of being mothers and fathers, he, he has imparted that stuff to us. And then when we're in that place, we, we can help impart it to the children and, and to the young men and women ourselves. Which is exactly the way God wants it to work. Because he always gives us something in, in this life so that we can give it away. Uh, I, I remember someone coming up to Joy at the end of this encounter weekend and asking, uh, they were going through it and asking if they could be a sponsor next time. And I, I loved Joy's response. I think 
as soon as you receive something, you should start giving it away. So yes, I, I think you should be a sponsor. And, and yes, that, that is exactly the way it's supposed to work in, in the church. So what, what else do we need to understand in, in the church? I, I think I, I want to try to give us a, a little bit of maybe both of these messages. Um, because when we, we've talked a little bit about destiny lately, uh, in fact, oh, it was actually last week that we, we talked about destiny, and it was two weeks ago we talked about salvation, wasn't it? Because we had a lot going on here last Sunday. We were in the middle of Encounter Weekend, and we had our friends who are going to be missionaries in China, and we had our friends from Albuquerque here, and yeah, there was, there was a lot going on. And the message from last week was that it's not too late to fulfill your destiny in God. And, and we looked at the meaning of, of that, the parable of the vineyard owner who hired the people at the different times of the day. But we're, we're really interested here at the vineyard in each person fulfilling their destiny in God. Because God saves us from something, but he also saves us to something and for something. He, he saves us to do good works that he's already got planned out for us in Ephesians chapter 4. And one of the things that, that we have to understand is in the church, we're, we're learning how to walk according to the Spirit of God. Before we're born again, that's, that's not very possible. Although I, I think it is sometimes done uh, through God's grace. But generally, we need to be born again, receive the Holy Spirit within us before we can walk according to the Spirit. And we need the church to help us on that journey. Because it's, it's not always an exact science. Uh, and it's, it's important because of what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. For those, starting in verse 5, for those who are according to the flesh, and what he means there, those who are living according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, or those who are living according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh, or natural things, is death. But the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, 
for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So, these works that God has prepared in advance for us to do, it's, it's more than us just being nice. It, it's not just good ideas, good things that God has for us to do. And that's part of our maturing process from children to young people to fathers and mothers. When, when we're children, the things of the Spirit are new to us. And we need to look to examples of young men and women and spiritual fathers and mothers to see what that looks like to be led by the Spirit of God and, and not to be walking the way we used to walk, which generally was either rooted in our emotions or it was rooted in our own logical, rational thinking. And there, there's, there's another verse that uh, I think the one uh, that you had up there before, Barry, from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This, this is a passage that, that struck me to the core uh, about 20 years ago. Because I, I had been, at that time, a, a licensed minister, and I've, I had been a part-time pastor a few times and had, had been a teacher of the Word for, for some years. And I, I was one time reading this passage, and, and I got some revelation that was unpleasant. So let's, let's look at this, this passage, 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 12. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, the day of the Lord, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. See, we, we can build things in our lives. We can be involved in ministry. We can be serving people. We can do lots of nice things. But if it's not done according to the Spirit, if it's all just coming out of our natural man, it's going to burn. There's, there's no value. There's no eternal value to it. And when I read this passage back those many years ago, I... I had the revelation that God was saying, you know, anything that you thought you had done for me up to now was wood, hay, and stubble. 
because it was all just me. It, it was me operating according to the natural man. It wasn't the Spirit of God working in me to do these things. And we need the church to, to help us know because for, for the, the mothers and fathers who have been working according to the Spirit, we, we can generally spot that stuff pretty easily. Whether it's wood, hay, and stubble that's coming out of the natural man or whether it's something that is of the Spirit and the Spirit of God is actually doing. Is what Paul is saying here is the works that God has chosen in advance for us to do, they, they are works of His Spirit within us, bringing something from heaven to people that, that we don't have in our natural man. It's, it's got to be something that flows out of heaven into us and then into whoever it is that we're ministering to. And when that happens, then you've got gold, silver, and costly stones. Because it's, it's only those works that that are going to continue into eternity. And, and that's where they're going to have value. Those, those other works that are just the natural man working according to the natural man of somebody else, that's all wood, hay, and stubble that's just going to burn. Because there, there's not an eternal aspect to it. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Because, see, God is so for us. He, he wants us to have lots of gold, silver, and precious stones on deposit in our eternal IRA <laughs> that is... Not even insured by the FDIC, but uh, <laughs> you'd, you'd much rather have it insured by him. <laughs> he, and that's why he's planned these things for us in advance. So as, as we're moving from, from children to young people to spiritual fathers and mothers, we, we're, we're learning to hear the voice of God. And the more we hear the voice of God, the more we know that it, it's a voice that's easily ignored. It's a quiet voice that if we're not attuned to it, we, we can go through the whole day without ever hearing it. But as, as we move into young adulthood, we, we tune in a little better.
And as, as we move into being spiritual fathers and mothers, we, we're tuned in much better. We've, we've, we've got a, those uh, quartz-locked FM tuner, kind of. <laughs> uh, and and we, we recognize. And see, as, as we're moving from children to, to young people, we, we recognize that often God speaks to us at times that are um, inconvenient, let's say. Asking us to do things that that naturally we we really would not want to do because we we might even look just a little bit foolish. Um, but if you remember that other parable that I taught on not not too long ago, the one about uh, the talents, he he wants us to put something at risk. He wants us to put what he's given us at risk so that it's actually used. If, if it's not at risk, it's not being used. And in the parable, that meant it was buried in, in the dirt. And we, we remember what happened with that guy. Even what he thought he had... He lost, and it was given to the one who had the most, who had taken all that he had and put it at risk. So we, we learn to flow. As, as we become spiritual fathers and mothers, we, we learn to flow with what God's doing. Because as young men and women in the faith, we we saw how that worked for other people in the church. And we, we saw their joy. And, and we saw that even though what God would often give to people was not exactly what they wanted, but that if they would receive it with joy, it was exactly what they needed. And so, you know, Joy and I, we've, we've learned to flow. We, we've, we've learned to see the hand of God's provision and and be grateful for it and and go with it and receive it with with joy even if it wasn't exactly what we had in mind because we we've learned something about how God works and and so I I encourage all of us to to, to learn to get into that flow of what God is doing, what he's asking you to do, 
what he's giving and and learn to receive and to give and and sometimes what what he tells us to give people isn't exactly what they're asking for either and I, I think Randy and I are, are beginning to see this pretty clearly that how people respond to that shows us their heart and, and I think God works the same way you know we, we think we want something and this is what we want and he gives us this instead and are, are we going to receive it with gratitude and, and be thankful? Or are we going to just let it go and wait for this? And, and be upset and angry at God for not giving us this? And, you know, those three stages... Don't have to say any more, do I? <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, there's, there's a lot of wisdom available in the church. And, and God uses the church to identify calling and release people. And, and see... Like I said, around here at the vineyard, we're, we're really interested in, in every one of you fulfilling your destiny in God because that, that means so much to God's kingdom. It means so much to this city. But we've had people come through who say, you know, I'm, I'm called to go plant a church. And, you know, we, we would speak to those people and say, you know, there's, there's a role for the church in that. There's, there's calling, and a lot of people are called, and, and even chosen. And, and there's, there's going, and there's being sent. And the church has an authority to send. The church recognizes calling. When, when someone's here over, over time, we, we begin to recognize gifting and calling. And, and then when, when someone is feeling they're called to go, then the church will oftentimes know if it's the, the right timing or not. And the, a great example of this is in Acts 13, starting in verse 1. This is when Acts is starting to primarily talk about uh, Saul. Saul. 
In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed hands on them and sent them off. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a wisdom in becoming a, a spiritual mother and father from having experience. It's, it's like the, the young pastor and the old pastor who were talking, and the old pastor is giving the young pastor some advice, and the young pastor says, Wow, where, where'd you get all that wisdom? And the old pastor says, Pain. And the young pastor looks puzzled and says, well, where'd you get the pain? And the old pastor says, lack of wisdom. <laughs> I, I, I know some of that of which I speak. Because I, I was, <laughs> yeah, that too. Uh, I was called and chosen. And I went. I, I tried to go. I, I didn't think there was anybody who would send me. Because I hadn't been in a church body like this. Uh, so Joy and I decided, okay, we're going to plant a church. And, you know, it just, it, it went nowhere. Uh, it, we, we could get no traction. Uh, God was just not in it. And so we said, okay, that's, that's enough of that. And, and we got back into a, a local fellowship, and, and we, we served again. As I mean, we, we've been serving people in the church all our married lives. 30 years. And uh, <clears throat> when the timing was right, the church knew. And we knew. And we were sent. And then it was time for God to birth the Cheyenne Vineyard. So I, I learned something about the difference between calling and going and being sent. It's, it's really worth being sent. And I, you know, God is, is so much about us being in community together that it's, it's really not possible for someone to fulfill their calling outside of the local church. Satan's primary
tactic for defeating people is divide and conquer. Isolate and eliminate. If, if he can get a, a family or a person just away from the church, he can begin to work on the renewing of the mind that had taken place and start working against it. And he just, he, he's slow and deliberate, and he knows what he's doing. And we're so susceptible to deception when we're off by ourselves and isolated. And that's why he wants us to live in community like this. Because we, we can speak the truth in love to each other. And, you know, the, around here the leaders are really trying to hear the Lord for the body. And when, when something's happening, he, he can let us know. But for those who are just off, you know, isolated away at home for years at a time, uh, it's, it's a dangerous place. So, yeah, we, we need our time together. Both in the large group like this, because there's, there's just something special about the presence of the Lord that's here when we worship together, all together. And the release of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and everything that God is doing. We're all built up and encouraged by what God is doing. And, and we, we don't even know all that God is doing in, in our midst because it, it is his work. But we, we also need time with smaller groups of the fellowship. And in January, we're, we're going to be starting some new small groups. You'll, you'll be hearing about this in December, because we're, we're going to be a little more deliberate about uh, discipleship in, in small groups than, than what we've been up to now. And so, so we're going to have more options for people starting in January. And you, you won't have to sign up uh, for a small group uh, for the rest of your life. Uh, you know, you, you can change between one and another. They're going to probably run about three or four months. And, and you'll have different choices and options. But... There's, there's a certain level of fellowship that happens when we're here. There, there's a, a different, deeper level of fellowship that happens when there's a smaller group that meets, whether it's here or in somebody's house. And, and we need both. We, we really do. And Hebrews 10, verse 25 says, Let us not give up meeting together, 
as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And I'll tell you what, we see the day approaching. <laughs> Which says to me, we need this more than ever. And, and I know that that's true. So, uh, I think that's probably about all I needed to say today. Uh, uh, I want to pray, and uh, <clears throat> release a, a blessing over you. Father, I thank you for the church. I, I thank you that you love the church. And I, I just thank you that you do the work in us as we surrender to you. And Lord, I invite you and ask you to continue your work in this body. I ask, Lord, that you would bring the children to greater maturity, to overcome the world, to overcome the flesh, to become young men and women of faith. And I, I pray, Lord, for the young men and women of faith that you'd bring them to deeper maturity and bring them to the level of spiritual mothers and fathers. Lord, we need more spiritual mothers and fathers. And Lord, I, I pray for the people of this body that we, as individuals and corporately together, we would fulfill our destiny in you. And I, I bless you all with the joy your Father has as he thinks of all the blessings he has prepared for you. The surprises, divine encounters, unexpected treasures, I bless you with knowing your Father's joy when he sees you are different today than you were yesterday. I bless you with experiencing his joy knowing the unique person he designed is cooperating with him in what he designed you to do. I bless you with knowing so profoundly the pleasure he has in you that the opposition of other people means nothing. I bless you in the name of the God who laughs. <laughs> Zephaniah 3.17 in Jesus' name. Amen.